Welcome to Marvel Studios News. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by my co-host, Paul Herman, for episode 104 of our show, This is our Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse spoiler review. But before we get started, I have some folks to thank. Thank you very much to Christopher, Matt Oswald, Chad Schaefer, and Brandon Coleman. They are the latest patrons over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News, where we offer all kinds of exclusive content from this podcast that's not available anywhere else. And that starts at just a dollar a month for the Patreon credit scenes where we take our episodes like this and then we discuss an additional topic. So while this episode is our spoiler review for Into the Spider-Verse, for the Patreon credit scene we talk about the rights to Spider-Man and where things stand between Disney and Marvel Studios and Sony for the current arrangement for sharing Spider-Man and how things like Venom and Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse could impact all of that going forward. So we get into that in our Patreon credit scene this week, but we also have other tiers that include things like weekly Q&A shows, daily podcasts every Monday through Friday. We have the Daily Bugle. We also have the Marvel Unlimited Book Club, as well as opportunities to be on the show and even do a movie commentary track with us. So you can find all of that information over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News, and then make sure you're keeping up with us in all the usual spots on our website, marvelstudiosnews.com. Facebook and Instagram at Marvel Studios News and on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. One final note before we get started, as I said at the very top, this is a spoiler review. This is intended for people who have seen the film, or at the very least, if you haven't seen the film, go see the movie. Uh, but if you haven't seen it yet and you don't mind being spoiled, that's okay. You're free to listen. It's just your fault if you get spoiled. So the warnings have been given. We can now begin with our spoiler review for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Once again, Paul, here we are stuck with nothing to talk about here on the Marvel Studios News Podcast. Um, I'll just reiterate one more time because I, I threw it in for the intro because obviously this is going to be our spoiler review for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, emphasis on the word spoiler. You went through the intro and now I'm telling you again. So if you get spoiled and you didn't <laughs> want to be, it's just totally on you at this point. I, I take no responsibility for it whatsoever. So Paul, your opening thoughts on spider-man into the spider-verse and you are welcome to present spoilers if you wish oh thank you because i'm going to potentially we'll see what we'll, we'll see what comes to my mind um for people who are maybe new which this could be always someone's first podcast right sean uh i'm yes, a giant spider-man fan yes it could be i'm a giant spider-man fan have been since you know i can remember from my first memories as, as a little child um, basically Star Wars and Spider-Man are my first memories of anything, you know, besides my parents. So, and my brother. So to give you a context for, you know, for people who listen to me on Star Wars podcasts and whatnot, like Star Wars and, and Marvel slash Spider-Man have always been a big deal for me. So I love the character and I may have a bias in, in some ways potentially, but that I'm just going to throw it out there. Maybe. Um, Maybe, maybe, potentially. I didn't. I don't love everything. Just a small one. But, Just a small. Yeah, one. small. But so, with all that being said, I'll take it. I'll, we'll kind of go with the history of this kind of how this movie was being made, and or as far as what we we found out about it over the last couple of years. And I can tell you that it was one of those things where I heard Sony was going to do this, and I said, "Why? We don't need a Spider-Man cartoon movie. That's not. It doesn't." makes sense no one's gonna go see this movie or take it seriously blah 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 and i just kind of you know said whatever it's gonna suck i might see it in the theater if it, if it looks good but i just i did not like the way sony was dealing with things this is around the same time it might even before uh i think that he went to the mcu sean i think this was they were working on this for a while so um at least in the early planning stages so with that being said, I just did not like how Sony was doing things. And it was one of those things where I just kind of said, you know, it's just going to be terrible, whatever. Well, lo and behold, the first trailer drops and I was blown away. Like a lot of people, we all said, a lot of us said, oh my goodness, this doesn't look terrible. This looks kind of interesting because again, I, I stayed away from the rumors of what it was about and everything. I, I knew I kind of heard maybe that Miles Morales was in the show or in the movie. And then when I saw that trailer and what it was about, I just kind of was like, this is different. 
It look the animation style looks great, and I'm I'm actually into this. Like I'm actually gonna see this. What you know, opening weekend. This looks interesting because it's Spider Man and it doesn't look half bad. And then all the critic reviews started happening, just praising the movie. And and then I started seeing other you know outlets, Spider Man outlets and whatnot, and 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 superhero outlets praising the movie. And it became a must-see as soon as possible thing for me because I loved everything that I was seeing about it, hearing about it. And I just, you know, being the big Spider-Man fan that I was, I'm like, man, I I got to see this movie ASAP. I saw it. You saw a, a press screening for it. I'm not lucky enough to get those. But I did happen to get into a screening, one of those preview screenings that they've been doing lately for movies, like on the weekend before. They'll have mm-hmm. like a, you know, a, a night screening or a Friday night. That's where I went was Friday night. And I was really excited and I sat down and I was blown away of how good this movie was. It's, it is so, the message is beautiful. It's a beautiful message, and it's one that I think that is 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 a is definitely needs to be said in 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 movies like this that's aimed at younger kids. And I would even venture to say that this the message this is the same message that Star Wars the new saga films are trying to do as well. Except this movie nails it one thousand times better than it Star Wars has in the sequel trilogy with this whole. Ray Rando, anyone can be a hero business. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse really nails the spirit and the care that the character has for the idea that anyone can be Spider-Man. We're all Spider-Man. And anyone can take up the mask. And I just love the message. And they and they literally do that because they have so many different Spider-Man characters in the film. You know, it's you've got the, the the regular Joe Spider-Man, Peter Parker, Peter B. Parker, uh, <laughs> um, and which I love, by the way. Um, and then you've got Miles Morales, mm-hmm. yeah, Gwen Stacy. You've got uh, Penny Parker. You've got Spider Ham. You got Noir. I mean, it's you've got a, it shows you the different just of types of people, and not just types of people. Talking about like you know people of color and 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 women and things like that. But we're talking about just like types of personalities mm-hmm. and, and it just, the way the movie presented a great theme like that, that's definitely important to, to in today's society. I feel like it could be something, it's something that you could definitely like feel it's forced down your throat, but the way the writers, and, I, and I'm not looking at who's written the movie and I, I apologize in advance, but the, the way they handled the, how that is brought to the message and it's all told through miles morales it really is beautiful storytelling it really is and, and, and maybe i'm being biased because spider-man but i got to tell you people this is something that i was not anticipating because i just well i expected it to be a fun kind of a coming of age superhero story to have like an excuse to have spider-man together which is a great excuse i mean you're gonna they're probably gonna sell a lot of toys from this. This is a great merchandising effort. But what's interesting is that I wasn't really I heard there was a good message, but I wasn't prepared for the levity of how powerful it really was and how they would do that throughout the film. And that to me is what really brings this movie up to like it's a it's a great animated film to like this is a you know a fantastic, amazing, no pun intended, uh animated Spider-Man film. It it really did a great I mean, this was in my opinion, and I've read a, a good chunk of the Miles Morales comics. I I was a big uh, supporter of Miles Morales when he was mm-hmm. first introduced back in the 2000, um, what, 9, 10-ish era, or 11, right around yeah, there. A little he, later than that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, he, I remember, and it all stemmed from Donald Glover kind of jokingly saying, you know, why can't I be considered for Peter Parker? Mm-hmm. And in Brian Michael Bendis kind of, and also through Barack Obama becoming president thought, you know, we need to have a, uh, African-American Spider-Man. How cool would that be? And he created Miles Morales and they had the whole thing. They, they did just like how they killed off Peter in this film. They had Miles Morales, you know, in the same comic book series differently. It's different 
it's totally different how they do it, but it's the same idea. And what, but I have to say the film, I love what the film did. I, I love the, 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 Miles, the original Miles Morales run is really good. I, I think it's a solid, the first 12 issues are really good. It gets a little too like, um, continuity and like, they're trying to build the, the continuity a little bit more as the comic goes on and they kind of, you know, eventually it drops out and he eventually joins the regular, you know, Marvel 616 universe. Well, that was when all, which all the, the multiverse collapsed in secret. Wars. Yeah. And John yeah, yeah. secret wars didn't go well yeah. anyway. Yeah, but my whole point is is that this to me is probably a way. And no offense to Brian Bennis, I think Bennis did a great job. And those those are definitely those first twelve issues, people. I'm telling you, go read them. They're worth. They are definitely worth reading. He has great fun stuff in it. Um, but I have to say, this Miles Morales story is probably the best Miles Morales story because it takes all those elements that Brian Michael Bendis did well with having the mom and the father and having them kind of be at odds and, you know, have like, you know, one work for their, you know, one be a nurse, one be a cop, two vastly different occupations that can sometimes go against each other. Um, and then you also have uh, the idea of, you know, only child being, you know, being this genius child, essentially. All those things are there in the comic books that they brought into this movie. But the one major missing link is that you have the mentorship of Peter Parker. And just having Miles Morales bring out the best in Peter and Peter bring out the best in Miles and see them play off each other was such a beautiful thing. I, I just it was very touching. I and you know and they the chemistry between those two characters written and the and the actors that played them was phenomenal. And then you also mentioned, you know, Gwen Stacy wasn't in the ser- in the movie enough. And so I, I'm talking a long time. I'll let Sean have his, his, his say here too, but to get things started, I just have to say that like, this was by far, I think the best introduction to miles Morales ever. And I think this is, this, this is going to be huge in a lot of aspects, I think for Sony, which we'll talk about later on in this, in this podcast. But I have to say that this was, you know, it's hard for me to say, is this going to be my favorite Spider-Man movie? It's hard because, you know, you don't have to, we're not at the end of the show. Well, right. Well, right, right. But I want to say before I say anything, you know, I rewatched even before a couple months ago, I bought all the new uh, Spider-Man films on 4k and um, I rewatched all of them and including, including Amazing Spider-Man 2. And, I have to tell you that it, I watched all of them. I have a, my, you know, if you want to wait, I can wait till they give my I view aids, but my, you know, I watched homecoming again. I watched everything in 4k and my whole viewing of these Spider-Man films are all out of whack right now. And this throws it even more into whack. So, but I have to tell you that this is a phenomenal film. If you haven't seen it, like you will not be disappointed. Like this is a tremendous achievement in animation and the style, which we'll get into, but Yes, if you have not seen this film, you're kind of like, eh, is it, too, is it too hyped up for me? It's not. It's a beautiful story that I think it's so charming. You, it will win no matter how overhyped you you come, you know, you you'll be going into it. I think it'll win you over just based on the charming aspects of the film alone. That's just me, Sean. Go ahead. I apologize. <laughs> no problem. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I love Miles when he was introduced in. 2011. That's why I said a little later when you said 2009, 2010. It was 2011 okay. when gotcha. Miles uh, came on the scene. Yeah, I remember it was a big deal, and I read the issues, and I loved them, and I was just really into that character. And so I was excited about it. I remember when uh, the news of a Spider-Man animated film first got floated out, what a lot of people forget is that it was part of the email hacking scandal. It wasn't like oh, somebody right. yeah. broke the story. It was that there were emails of um, amongst the other plans for Spider-Man in the future was this thing of an animated Spider-Man film. And then I didn't know what was going to happen with it because, you know, that uh, that scandal was at the end of 2014. And then in early February 2015 is when the uh, Spider-Man deal happened with Marvel Studios. And so I think not long after that, or maybe around the same time, we still heard that maybe the animated film was something that was still going to move forward, but it was a while before we knew that uh, that it was going to be Miles Morales. So before the idea was passed out, uh, passed along that this was going to be Miles, I remember just thinking that I was like, okay, well, 
if Sony's letting Marvel Studios handle the live action stuff with Spider-Man, then I guess it makes sense that they would try and see what happens if they do a Spider-Man animated film. They got nothing to lose. Might as well give it a shot. That was pretty much my attitude toward it. I didn't have high expectations for it in terms of uh, box office, because even if you set aside Sony's track record with quality, Marvel and DC-based animated films, they don't do great at the box office. The only one that did was Big Hero 6, but that's because they didn't even really emphasize Mm -hmm. the Marvel connection. It was basically a Disney animated film. Anybody watching that film who doesn't already know where it came from, they're not going to really know where it came from just because they watched the film, other than there's an animated Stan Lee cameo, but that's it. You know, it's not... uh, So when it comes to the stuff that's more... The more traditional, more established Marvel and DC characters theatrically... Actually, Marvel hadn't had one until Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse, and then DC's done it with... Batman Mask of the Phantasm, and then Teen Titans Go earlier this year. Like, it's never really fared well. So uh, I didn't really have high expectations for how big of an impact the movie would make until we found out that it was going to be Miles. And I thought, okay, this could actually be something special if they do this right. And Phil Lord and Chris Miller were going to be producing. And I thought, okay, these guys did a good job with the Lego movie. I like what they've done. You know, I, I enjoyed the 21 and 22 Jump Street movies. I like, so I'm like, these guys are pretty good, so let's see what they do with it. And then that first trailer came out, and I was like, wow, not only does this look cool in terms of just the idea and the concept and the story, but the animation, like, it looks cool right there in front of my eyes. Like, I haven't seen anything, I haven't seen anything in this style. And so I've just been more impressed with each new thing, or I had been more impressed with each new thing that we had seen from the film. And then, uh, I didn't go to one of the earliest screenings for the film, so by the time I saw it, there were plenty of other people who had said how amazing it was, and of course, no pun intended for any of the the many compliments that we're going to give the film that might just happen to be the same as a title for a Spider-Man book, so amazing, spectacular, sensational, whatever, it's all there. uh, He's got all the adjectives! Yeah, and no (laughs) pun intended for any of it, Um, but uh, unless otherwise like directly specified. Um, but, uh, like, <laughs> I remember, you know, people saying just, you know, people were saying these just crazy good things about it. I mean, it's in terms of the, I guess I'd have to, if I were going to compare it to anything, it would go back to maybe what the way people started talking about the first Avengers movie in 2012, uh, because I wasn't as high on the totem pole back then. So I wasn't going to one of the early screenings for Avengers. So, uh, you know, and I'm not high on the totem pole now. Uh, but I wasn't. I didn't even get a press screening for Avengers. I went to an early uh, fan screening. But when those press screenings first started happening, like a few weeks, I think before, uh, a few weeks before the movie came out, like people were just saying the craziestly, like it was just the craziest, most high, you know, highest praise that you could for this movie. Except Spider Man and the Spider Verse, it might have been even higher in terms of the praise. And so I went into the movie or went into my screening knowing all of that and knowing that this is what people had said. Now, I'm not the kind of person who goes into those who approaches a movie after hearing all that praise and like sits down in the theater seat going, yeah, we'll see. Like, I don't have that kind of attitude. I'm not cynical about it. If people say it's great, then I'm great. Awesome. And even if they say it's terrible, well, I'm still just going to sit there and judge it for myself and as I was sitting there watching this movie, uh, watching the movie, I just thought it just kept getting better and better. The longer the movie went on, the better it got, and I just I absolutely loved it because I, I feel like this movie really captures the essence of what it means to be Spider-Man and the essence of why we love Spider-Man, why people are Spider-Man fans, why people all over the world are Spider-Man fans. Why do people who come from all different backgrounds, all different walks of life? you know, all different locations. Why do so many different people with so many different experiences, why do they all love this character so much? And I think what this movie shows you is that you have so many different people and pigs and you have like, and there is a universal quality to them uh, in terms of their heroism, in terms of their courage, the willingness to do what's right, even when they're scared, even when it's the harder thing to do, but also just that idea of, you know, even though these characters are heroic, none of them are perfect. They're all far from perfect. They're all flawed characters. And even making that one of the themes of the movie is for Miles to embrace what makes him different. You know, his differences are what actually make him special. 
it's not just the the universal quality of of being a, a superhero for Spider-Man, but the qualities that make him different than Gwen, uh, and the you know the qualities that make him different from any of the Peter Parkers or Spider-Ham or Spider-Man Noir, like all those things that make Miles different are what make him special and where he can get his power from and his confidence from. Like, I love that. That's such a wonderful message in the movie that I think is true to what Spider-Man has always been. Stan Lee has always maintained that, you know, the whole idea of Spider-Man is it could have been anybody underneath that mask. You know, it's just, it's about, do you know, anybody who's, full, you know, any human being who's flawed, which is all of us, uh, you know, could overcome those flaws and just, you know, try to do the right thing. And so I love that message for Spider-Man. I think it's core to the concept of who that character is and why he appeals to so many millions of people all over the world. And I think Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse absolutely nails that. I think it does it in this extraordinary way. And yeah, you know, I will just cut to the chase. And, you know, as far as the the conversation of, is this the best Spider-Man movie ever? Who cares? If you think it is, great. If you don't, also great. Uh, I, I, I don't care about like, especially when a movie just comes out, I don't care about like immediately trying to rank a movie. Where does this fit in the grand scheme of superhero movies? Uh, I don't know. I just know that this movie was really, really great. I just know that this is special and I am confident that even though this movie is still very, very new and very, very fresh and we'll have to see how it holds up over time, but I'm pretty confident that's going to hold up over time. And I'm pretty sure that Whenever we look back on it, whether it's a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, 20, whatever, that when we start thinking about some of the best comic book movies we've ever seen, when we start thinking about the best Spider-Man movies we've ever seen, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is going to be a fixture of those conversations. And that's about as high of a compliment as I think I could give a film, especially uh, you know this early after it's come out and we haven't really had to sit with it for very long. Um, but this is clearly, uh, you know, immediately, it's it's immediately apparent just in uh, in watching the film that this one's special. No, and that's exactly what I was talking about earlier, that, you know, you come in overhyped, that I think that, like, it, you, I think it's going to be hard to get overhyped on this movie because, I, again, there is a specialness to this movie that's more than just, like, the visuals and more than just what... Um, these typical superhero films can give you. There's, there's a there's a sweetness and a, and, a, and, a, and a charm that this movie has that I think just wins people over. That it's so rare to have in any film these days, whether it be a comic books, you know, superhero film, a Star Wars film, a Star Trek film, a whatever film, an indie film, an avant garde film, whatever. This movie has something that I think that I immediately I seen this, I've, I've seen this movie twice now, and that is a big thing for me because it's Spider Man, yes, but you know I I I only saw Amazing Spider Man two once in the theater. Once was enough, and you know once Homecoming was too many anyway. No, I it's another <laughs> podcast, but um, but no with Homecoming I I liked it a lot. I saw it again, and I was like cool i saw it second time i'm like, okay good i'm good for a while you know and I, i've said on this podcast before it's hard for me to go see movies again i was begging my brother to go see this movie with me and we didn't it didn't work out and i ended up like i was at a theater waiting for my brother and he had to bail on me nope there was no problem i saw it again by myself and i will totally see it again with my brother and his kids hopefully soon and i will have zero problems doing that because i love this movie so much and there's just something about this thing that is has or the the relationships that the, the characters have with each other. It's, it's special. This movie has something special in it that, you know, Disney movies, I think, they're, again, any movie are going to have or have a hard time of replicating. This movie has it. It's all in the characters. It's the charm. It's the heart. The heart of the movie is just so pure and so good that I just even the most hardened individuals are going to go in and go, yeah, it wasn't that bad because it has a little bit of something for everyone and it makes people go, oh, OK, I get it. Like this is, you know, it's, it's it does. A, it, it has something for everyone in a way where it, it pleases you. And I think that one of the things for someone like me who depends on um, the visual mediums to get him by for everything, whether that be comic books or film 
or some kind of screen, uh, which is a lot of people these days, but me specifically, I can tell you that this was such a pleasing aesthetically to watch film that you can't help but just fall and I think just be entranced by it because the techniques that they have are they're very unique in itself. Like the parts where um, they'll blur out everything around it, and it'll you know it you just it, or blur out the it'll blur out the backgrounds, and that was kind of like jarring to me at first i'm like oh this is kind of weird and i got used to it and i it is it became a part of the aesthetic the art if you will that they're trying to give you and it was a different perspective and just like trying to hone in on what's in front of you instead of going around around you and it wasn't all the time just sometimes and if you notice it it's a little weird at first but i got used to it and i really end up liking it um there's just so many different things about this film that i i think that are just you, you could go on and on about and i think that it's it's groundbreaking in an animation style. And that to me is like what really was, man, this is an animated Spider-Man film that look, there's nothing on this earth that looks like into the spider verse except for into the spider verse. And most animated films, they always go for that Disney aesthetic, right? There's, or is that uh, really com- heavy computer grade, uh, computer generated animated Pixar style, like the life with dogs or, or whatever. Again, not, not knocking those films by any means, but that's the, that's what they're going for. They're that that aesthetic because it's a proven aesthetic that films like um, whatever, like the Toy Story and Pixar, they've all done before. When, to at least for me, when I see Into the Spider Verse, nothing looks like this film. This, it very no, much takes a th- it takes three D and two D and really mashes it together so well that I'm just like, this is incredible what they've been able to do. And again, the designs are, again, when you can take these characters that have been around, let's just take the Spider-Man, not not taking Miles, just taking Spider-Man and all his characters and taking a unique spin on all of them and making them look different and and giving their own unique voice and spin. Even the regular Spider-Man costume has a really unique look to it and stylized look. To a point where the Sony games are putting, which again, there's been controversy about this, but they've even put that same style suit on the video game because mm-hmm. it's so vastly stylized, but it looks great. And I think to me, that is one of the major, um, I think, great advantages this movie has is that nothing on this film looks like anything on it before. And that is such a crazy I you would have told me that, Sean, two years ago. Like when you made a great point. Like this was first announced through the uh It wasn't, it wasn't I, announced. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's it, the it, thing. It wasn't announced, yeah. it was leaked. Yeah. So if you and if not I, even you, in the it, way this stuff normally gets leaked, like somebody scoops it or something like that. Yeah. No, like this yeah. was I mean, it got hacked. That's what happened. Yeah. So the fact that this if you would have told me years ago when this was announced or this got leaked out, I would have been like, yeah, right. It's going to be cheap animation because Sony is a cash cow. They see something. I mean, look, let's be real. Look at Venom. Oh yeah. They, no. I mean, I mean, as I, soon as I, I, until I saw a trailer for this movie, I felt the same way. I thought you're not going to get, I was like, okay, maybe they'll do something decent with this, but I didn't think they would be anywhere near as ambitious as they were with this. And this is what, and this is part of the thing that, you know, where I, I don't care that much about the discussion of how does this compare to like Homecoming or Sam Raimi Spider-Man 2 or whatever. I mean, they are different mediums, right? So, I mean, right. you can judge the quality of a story, but, you know, what they're both doing, like what Spider-Verse is doing is it's taking full advantage of the medium that it's in. And like, we have an animated film here. Let's do something completely different. Let's make sure we do something that we flat out could not have done in live action, even with CG and everything else. Like there's no way you could replicate what's happening in this film and the style of this film in live action. And that's to me, that's what the best stories do is what medium are we working with here? How can we stand out from everything else that's a part of this medium? But then how can we also take advantage of all of the different things that we can do in this medium that maybe we wouldn't be able to do in a video game or in a comic book or in a live action interpretation of this stuff. So I love that about Spider-Verse, and I love that it didn't just settle for, how do we do, like, let's just do some glossy 3D animation that people are already used to and that people already kind of like from Pixar and Disney Animation and Illumination and all that kind of stuff. Let's actually invent our own style for the look of this film. And they pull it off 
so beautifully. I mean, it's this movie is certainly never dull to look at at all. Yeah. I mean, it's nonstop eye candy, but even if you set aside, it's not like it's just eye candy. It's not just superficial. I mean, I'm praising the visuals because they really are unique and I think they are truly groundbreaking. But if that's all that it was, then Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse wouldn't be that special because then it would just come across as it's a really cool visual like animation experiment, but it's not a great film. But it's a great mm-hmm. film because the story, uh, you know, the story that's being told through all this terrific animation is also great. And the characters are great. Everything mm-hmm. about it from Miles and his parents and all the different spider people that pop up and also giving us a different side of Peter Parker through the Jake Johnson version of Peter Parker. And you could say, well, he's not this part. He's not this Peter Parker, that Peter Parker. So what? He's Peter Parker. Um, and when you look at the future for that character, uh, you know, the divorce with Mary Jane and all this other stuff, it's like I could see that as Spider-Man's future. And it's the kind of territory that the movies never get to because they always start over. Uh, like we don't get mm-hmm. when, and look, I love, you know, and I, I was on board with and still think it was the best idea to go back to high school age, Peter Parker to bring him into the Marvel cinematic universe. But this just shows that, look, there's plenty of great Spider-Man stories to tell with Peter Parker as a 30 year old, uh, especially, or, you know, a th- or a 30 something year old, especially if it's, this idea of Peter Parker, the kid superhero, now mentoring and being a little bit of a father figure for another kid in Miles Morales, it, it gives us a completely different side of the Spider-Man we already know in Peter, and then also gives us this amazing, again, no pun intended, I already gave the disclaimer, I don't know why I'm doing it again, uh, but like this, you know, with this story with Miles and how much we love him and then how much you just love Gwen and this movie is it's crazy how efficient this movie is in getting me to love these characters so quickly um and you know bond with and connect with these characters so quickly because you know not everybody gets a ton of screen time but you get just enough you know obviously you get plenty of this you get plenty with Peter Parker and with Miles Morales but when it comes to Gwen and Spider-Ham and Penny Parker like you get just enough of those characters to really uh to care about them and just enough with the version of you know Aunt May that we get in this to care about her, and then even the villains that we get in this, like for all the talk of oh you can't have too many you know there's you don't want to have too many villains. Well, there's a lot of villains in this, and it works because every villain has their perfect role to play. Obviously, this newer version of uh, of Octavius of Doctor Octopus, like we have Olivia Octavius, like she's awesome in this, and then Kingpin as the main antagonist, and then you've just got people providing more brute force, you know, like Scorpion and uh, Green Goblin and this, and it, and it all just works out perfectly. I mean, I, there's just, there's such a terrific story here. And as you said, such yeah. a pure heart in all of this, and it's all just told. So it's just told so damn well. Well, one of the things that you, we kind of talked about was that it, it's told well, and they brought the villains, the villains, I think were really, really interesting what they did with Octavia like I wasn't I again I I stay clear from spoilers for this stuff because I read Spider-Man comics constantly and you know I I just I know those characters way too well so the the less I know the better I had no idea there was a female Dr. Octopus so when she when he go when Spider-Man goes what was your name again and he Uh goes Octavia I was like no way they're going and they even gave her like purplish hair, which again, back in the comic books, Spider-Man was or Spider-Man's uh, when Spider-Man was a clone, Scarlet Spider had a female Dr. Octopus villain after Dr. Octopus died. I'm getting way over my head here. But the fact that she had a purplish tint to her hair, I'm like, that's a that's an Easter egg too. Um, I forgot her name, but she was Seward Trainer's daughter. But uh, she was supposed to be the the replacement of Dr. Octopus. And I was like, no way. This is crazy. And um I was it was blown away by that. She was a great, like, Doc Ock character. It was perfect. And again, like, did I care it wasn't Otto Octavius? No, I didn't give a crap at all. It was fantastic. It was again different. It, what Sony did was is genius, but as far as I'm concerned, which I'll get, I'll get to that more later. But we're talking about the characters themselves. Um, I, I like the idea of again bringing the kingpin aspect into it. Like, 
one of the things I love that, that they did was they brought in like the uh, John Romita Jr. old school um, kingpin kind of look to him where he's so wide. He'll take up like back in the comics, there'd be there'd be these. I don't know if you're sure if it was John Romita Jr., but I'm pretty sure it was. There'd be these panels where it'd be all black and it'd be kingpin wearing a black suit and it'd just be his head with his little like, you know, tie thing, white shirt and tie with in it and in, in a word balloon. So it'd be like almost the whole page it's kind of like when he take up almost a whole screen on the movie. And it's such a great aesthetic that they took right from the comics. Like that's literally drawn, exaggerated, just like the comic books, which again, taking, you know, taking what works from the comic books and making it into the film the right way. It was perfect. What they did. I love Kingpin's character. Cause again, Kingpin is, a bad guy but really his motives aren't always just like i want to be rich he he wants his family back like you know the fact that you you had vanessa and richard richard is is really his son's name and it's complicated in the comic books let me tell you <laughs> but i was like oh they kept richard there you mm-hmm. go he's a aka the rose or other uh <laughs> characters that he he takes different disguises to get back at his dad um but again he's he's got a, he just is so blinded by his love for his family he'll do whatever it takes again straight from the comic books great great again a great motivation that gives kingpin an a sense of like man you feel sorry for well, me even though he's an real. evil guy yeah it, exactly it gives him yeah. a very real and, and relatable thing to want now of course what takes him into villainy is you know that's his methods that he's willing to yeah. <laughs> destroy all of reality in order to get his family back that he's willing to mm-hmm. murder spider-man because he actually kills a spider-man in the beginning of yeah. this movie he's also like that kingpin design is also very i think bill sinkowitz whose kingdom yeah. was always like yeah. very huge. Yeah. The idea of like his shoulders extending above his head uh, was also like a Sinkowitz uh, thing. So I, uh, you know, and just that kind of hunched over look for mm-hmm. uh, Kingpin, but he was great in this. And yeah, I mean, I also wasn't, I mean, maybe I'm not up to date on ultimate comics and this happened, but yeah, I, I also didn't know that there was a female Dr. Octopus, but uh I also love that the voice for this is Catherine Hahn, who just so happens to be like one of my favorite actresses. I think she's uh, a super, I mean, she's incredibly funny in a lot of the stuff she does, including as Jan Barkley on Parks and Rec. Uh, but also she was in a, she had a really great performance this year in a movie called Private Life that you should check out on Netflix for those of you who just want to see her give uh, a great performance. But uh, when I heard her voice, I was like, oh, that's awesome that she's in this movie. And I'm like, oh, she's going to be the Dr. Octopus of this universe awesome and you know her involvement in it was just it was great and loved it yeah and i think with with these characters like you you talked about how this this animation style lets you do things that you can that you normally wouldn't be able to do in the live action films that you can take very straight ahead comic book concepts and put them right into it for instance the scorpion very much like they took them, you know, the, the ultimate version and, and the 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 regular six sixteen version, mashed them together and threw them out there. And he's very in Prowler too. Like they all look like, even though Prowler looks more like the ultimate version, they look straight up like, you know, like their characters. I don't know if you could do those. There's no way you could probably do those straight translations on into without being like too over the top if you will but it fit animation so well like the giant green hulk green goblin not which by the way i've gone on record saying i'm not a fan of that never been a fan of that green goblin but it worked in this again in the alternate universe idea that sony has introduced it works oh in a movie where you already have a central antagonist with kingpin and you've already kind of got a good tier two antagonist with olivia octavius and i did just double check she's an original character that's why we didn't know um, like, mm, ah. uh, you know, I think when you already have those antagonists, then at that point, it's just, you know, Green Goblin is kind of like, you know, he's a level above Scorpion just in terms of his power level in this, but they're both kind of in that same spot of just being like the stronger henchman type villains in this, which you could certainly say, and I would entertain the argument of, well, that's, you know, Norman Osborn is a much more interesting character in that. And yes, that's true. But at the same time, we've had a lot of Norman Osborn in the Spider-Man films, so and the Osborns in the Spider-Man films, so it's totally fine to just you know say, okay, well we're going to use the because the Goblin from the Ultimate Universe, which is what this is taken from, it is just more of this brute force monster. Um, so like it's it, to me, it, I mean, I know there's still plenty of 
you know, characterization and things like that for Norman Osborn. And there's, there's plenty more to it than just a monster, but for the sake of this movie, I think it totally works. And I don't have, you know, I don't have any issues with it uh, because it, mm-hmm. it allowed them to really feature some, some other characters or just different, completely different versions of some other characters that were, uh, that were really interesting and fun. Well, one of the things I'm curious if you got wind of this before, cause I had no idea, Sean was the fact that Kingpin killed Spider-Man. Like when, when he, when he first showed up, I'm like, okay, like I just didn't expect it. And when, and when the whole thing, you know, fell down and Spider-Man, you know, had a hole in his eye, um, his mask for whatever. And I was like, wait a minute. Oh crap. And then when they took off his mask and they're talking to him, I'm like, they're going to kill him. Yeah. And they did. I was like, what? Well, it was I was surprising not anticipating because, that. Well, because when Miles like stumbles upon the fight, it's with Goblin. And that's how Peter Parker dies in the Ultimate Comics. He dies in a fight with Green Goblin. So I thought, ah. okay, this is the this is the setup. This is what's going to happen. And then he was still alive after that. And I was like, okay, he's still going to die because that's what needs to happen to set this up with Miles right now. But how is it going to happen? And then Kingpin is walking out. I'm like, oh, Kingpin's going to do it. So it was a little bit of a surprise. I mean, by the time it finally happened, like you could see it coming for a little while. You get a right. little bit of advance yeah. notice in the film. But prior to the film, no, I did not know. Uh, that Kingpin was going to be the one to kill him. But I think that's actually, I got to say, like, I think pretty that's ballsy, kind of, in my uh, opinion. Yeah, but I think it's kind of, well, certainly to, ha- I mean, because it's, it's a pretty brutal killing. I mean, yeah, even though they don't show brutal. the impact, it's a very dark, you know, yeah. literally hands on killing. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, to put that in an animated movie that kids are going to watch, you know, now again, they cut away from it, uh, but at the same time, like, it's everybody knows. You know, and understands what happened. So to show Spider-Man being brutally killed by Kingpin, yeah, I'm surprised. I am a little surprised they did it that way in the movie, but I think they kind of needed to. I, I think it's important to kind of show that, you know, without being, uh, without you know, showing the violence to still at least heavily imply that look, the violence in this, it's not, you know, it's not a good thing. It's not all just fun. People can get hurt and people can get killed, uh, and to also really sell how traumatized Miles is by that, you know, by that incident and by witnessing that and seeing that that's how uh, Spider-Man died to really show like, this is what's, you know, this is what's at risk right here is, you know, in terms of your personal safety that, you know, you can die and you won't die well. Uh, So like having that in there, but also if we're just looking at like longer term impacts of this, I think this in the same way that, you know, Kingpin kind of had his profile raised on the Daredevil series on Netflix this also raises the profile of Kingpin. You know, when you talk about the future of that character after a two-year waiting period or whatever, you know, if he comes back into live action with Marvel Studios or something like that, you know, now this, you know, as far as the general audience is concerned, Kingpin is going to be known as the guy who killed the Spider-Man, you know, not Green Goblin or, or anybody else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, it definitely moves Kingpin up the ladder, I think, in terms of... Uh, you know, formidable villains in, uh, in not just in this animated film, but in live action Marvel, mm-hmm. whenever he comes back. Right. And I think that that they take, again, they take the idea that this stuff is real. And I think that's why I, I think it works so much on this film's level is that it tells the audience. And I think most importantly, children that this is real stuff. Like you can get hurt. And that's, a, that's a, again, a theme that goes on but without you know, being throughout. so like depressing about it, you know, like exactly letting it, yes. ha- letting it have the impact and letting it resonate for a bit, but then moving on and not dwelling on that because there's still, mm-hmm. you know, Spider-Man endures a lot of nasty stuff over his career in the comics, but Peter Parker's still having fun because mm-hmm. if you're not going to try to have fun, then all you're going to do is just focus on, the things that would just depress the crap out of you right. that you've witnessed yeah. and that you've been through. And so, you know, I like movies that balance that, that yes, there are things that are sad and scary and horrible, but that doesn't mean that it just, you know, that it takes over every aspect of, of someone's life. Right. And I think, you know, this would be a good transition. I think to Sean talk about the characterization between miles and Peter Parker and Gwen, the, the three main characters in my opinion. And, Oh, definitely. You, you know, and I think that, 
to kind of start off, I'll, I'll just kind of go off. I guess start with with Spider Man himself, or excuse me, Peter Parker himself. I, sorry, he's always he'll always be Spider Man to me. Okay, I apologize. But one They're of the things Spider-Man. that yeah, you know what I'm saying. Uh, one of the things I thought was so brilliant, and you kind of touched on this too, was the fact that this film gives you an adult Peter Parker, which Marvel has historically in the last 10, 15 years, if you, you aren't paying attention, not you, the audience, um, you, you know, it's, you know, this has been going on is that the Marvel comic books, they are scared to death of aging Peter Parker. And when he got married in the late eighties, a lot of people regretted it in Marvel and said that it aged the character. And that was a bad thing. And oh my gosh. And one of the things that Into the Spider-Verse does is it gives you a clear indication that a flawed Spider-Man, which he's already flawed, but a flawed Spider-Man in a sense to where he's been divorced. He's lost both his, his mother, father, mother, father figures, excuse me. And he has even he's alone. He's depressed Things that I think we all can identify with in my in my late 30s myself. Um, these are all things that we all go through and they're afraid that kids cannot identify with that. I think Into the Spider-Verse shoves all of that right back into their face and tells them, no, you can tell great older Spider-Man stories. You have to be good stories. You can't just give a hack of any story, whether he's single, young, or whatever. And this was a great example of showing what you could do and how, again, even as a young as a young reader of, of um, Spider-Man when he was married, I never thought of it like, he's so old, I can't identify with him. No, I looked up to Spider-Man because I could relate to him, because I understood and I understood that, like, you know, he has problems. And this, to me, shows you that kids are going to love Spider-Man and Peter Parker because he's a good character and he's written well. They're not going to care that he's, like, you know, he's he's older or we're not going to identify with him. Yeah, it's great. They have that in Miles. And again, I'll get to that in a second. But to me, Spider, you know, Peter Parker's Spider-Man, it shows that you should not be afraid to make the character age a little bit. Even in the comic books with Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, he aged from like an issue. I mean, granted, he aged pretty quick. He went from high school to college and stayed in college for a while. But, you know, but my point is, don't be afraid to show the character's age or maybe age him up a little bit. Because with Miles, you have a little more freedom for that. You've got someone who's so young that you can kind of keep Miles between high school and college. And you can age Peter a little bit. Like, we can, you can always have the fresh take young Spider-Man. And I think Into the Spider-Verse gives you that. Because I look at this Peter B. Parker, and I love calling him Peter B. Parker, I'm sorry. But Peter B. Parker is a great example of why you can age the character. Because he is, like, Peter has so much to so much to do for the character. And so much to offer an audience and to readers and to viewers. So for me, the the the... The characterization of that of Peter Parker was incredible to me. No, I I agree. I think Peter Parker was, you know, they did a terrific job with Peter in this one, and and as I said before, you know, just showing a different side of Spider Man. Although this is actually pretty close in age to what Peter Parker was for, as you said, for a lot of our lives. You know, reading Spider Man comics, he was an adult he had established himself you know <laughs> like and this is just peter parker like carrying that a little farther down the line where if he didn't manage things all that well then certain things would go away like his marriage to mary jane although it looks like he's gonna get that back but um hopefully yeah i i think he will <laughs> so but i like showing you know a different side of peter parker and it shows that there's plenty more for this character he's not uh, you know his level him being interested is or interesting is not limited to being young that there's plenty of interesting there's plenty more that you can do with uh with this character and so that working in animation could certainly transfer to live action at some point but then you get to miles and i think you see in this film why this character so quickly became uh, a popular character in the marvel universe and and i think that's why people wanted him in the 616 universe is you know, yes, they were, you know, the way they were changing things with the multiverse with Jonathan Hickman's Secret Wars, but, 
the the thing with the Ultimate Universe is even though people like those comics and there's big fans of the Ultimate Universe, by and large, it's almost the thing that like doesn't quite count in Marvel canon because it literally isn't part of the six one six universe. So you know, moving Miles to the six one six, that was something that fans you know really wanted, and I think now you know the, the world is seeing what Marvel comic fans have known this whole time and is just how special this, uh, how special this character is because what Miles gives us, you know, certainly uh, it provides, you know, an opportunity for representation and inclusion. And that is not to the importance, the significance of that is not to be discounted, but also in terms of the, you know, universal quality to Miles Morales, the thing that I think everybody can latch onto is, you know, seeing seeing this story through his eyes and how valuable that experience is because it's like you living this story as a Spider-Man fan, but also at the same time as kind of a, you know, as a scared kid because you see something scary early on in the film, just like Miles sees that scary thing that happens with Spider-Man. But you see, you know, the fear, the confusion, everything that he encounters as he's dealing with these powers and as he's being hunted by somebody and, and that person, one of the people who's hunting him turns out to be his uncle and he sees his uncle being murdered in front of him. Like you see this character going through so much and how he responds to it is so perfectly, you know, relatable. It's so completely organic within the story. You can't help but just feel for this kid and you can see yourself in this kid. I don't care who you are, where you're from. You can see yourself, I think, in Miles Morales in the experience that he goes through in this film because of how well written it is, because of how well performed it is, and everybody just absolutely. And so I think people are just latching onto Miles Morales because they're realizing that in the same way that Miles gets to be Spider Man, and he is Spider Man at the end of this film, it's people seeing themselves becoming Spider Man because it's that kind of wish fulfillment that people have. It's that aspirational quality to a lot of the best superhero stories is you want to be able to see yourself in this character, not just because the costume is cool and the powers are cool, but you want to see yourself as the person who overcomes the adversity, who overcomes the challenges, the trauma, all the different things that we endure in our lives who, and, you know, overcoming the fear and doing the right, you know, being brave, having courage, doing the right thing. And we go through all of that, with Miles Morales. And we've done stuff like that with clearly in, with stories about Peter Parker. But, you know, when it, you see it as another character, another character who's set in a world where Spider-Man has already existed. Uh, and then, you know, having that idea of a legacy to live up to, I think it just makes, it just adds another level of almost real world relatability to Miles Morales. Cause we are part of a world in which Spider-Man exists, not like in actuality, but the character, the lore, like all that stuff, the mythology exists um and that exists for miles morales in this and we see him you know rising to the occasion in this film and so i think that's part of what makes the story uh so special and, and why it's resonating with people so powerfully yeah that that's really well said and i think that with with miles there's so much potential with the character that like they just you know the movie barely taps into and i think that with Spider-Man, you know, with Gwen Stacy, too, I would say the same thing. Those two characters, especially, they did a great job developing them. You already have that with, you know, Peter Parker. You already know and, and, and they do a great job of giving us a, a different take on the character or a more like you said, like, no, it's a little bit later down the line, Peter Parker, that we're already used to reading back in the comic books. The 616 universe, what this Miles Morales represents, like you said, it, it really is a fresh take. It's why it's even better than what we got from the ultimate comics that Brian Michael Bendis did. Like Again, that Miles Morales is still a great character, but what we're getting here is a fresh idea of someone who overcomes the adversity of trying to be something greater than what they are. And again, that idea that you can be greater than what you are, if you if you work hard enough to do it, you can do it like Miles does. He is such a great what that message is so powerful and and so needed in everyday in everyone's lives that it they, again it brings up the idea that you can do it. And I also love the message of surrounding yourself with good people that you trust cuz look at Miles, he had, you know, people he trusted and you learn from your, you know, people that you, might let you down and people who might bring you back up like his uncle let him down. Like it was, you know, you you, you kind of see like it 
in a way, I think it's great because it shows kids that, you know, life is going to be ups and downs. You're going to have moments of, oh, my gosh, this person wasn't who I thought they were. And there'll be moments when people will be there to pick you back up that you didn't expect, like a Peter Parker, like a Gwen Stacy. And I love that aspect of what they introduce in this film so much. And I just feel that there's, again, introducing Miles that way. And again, we're very much the on the miles because we can relate under like, he's saying all the things that we would say like oh man like no one would want to go in a cop car with their dad like if he was a cop like if we were like old enough or not like it'd be weird you know for the most part so we all can understand miles where he's coming from and it's just it's really fascinating that they did a great job of showing you of showing kids and again you know, in in not in a in a light kind of go lucky way. It's a very realistic, somewhat dark way. With we talked about Peter Parker dying, you know, and Miles goes through all this and still comes comes across like even when they tell him like you can't do this, we're not going to let you do it. He puts his mind to it and keeps and he comes back. And once he, you know, although what Aunt May says to him, it took you long enough because she knew Spider Man. Yep. And again. One of the best thing, and again, this that is was where one of my favorite people, moments in the entire movie. Yeah, same here. And one of the things that people will ask, and they're going to say, "What exactly is the heart of Spider-Man?" And I'm going to tell you: read Amazing Spider-Man Volume One, Issue Fifty, features the best comic book cover, in my opinion, in Marvel Comics history, maybe out of all of comic books. John or John Romita draws a Peter Parker walking away from a Spider-Man, like a shadow of Spider-Man. It's all red and it looks, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And, um, and it, it's like Spider-Man no more. That's mm-hmm. the title of the comic book. And they touch on this in the amazing spider or excuse me, in Sp- I'm not amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man two. two, Spider-Man two, Spider-Man two, where is Peter tries to step away from being Spider-Man and he can't, you want to know why? Because Spider-Man does not give up. He always comes back, no matter what. Because when he didn't, when he gave up and didn't care, it cost him. And to me, that's exactly what Miles does. And, oh, yeah. and what, it's, what, it's up to me. It is what he does. Sorry, excuse me. But it's what Miles does. And it's what Peter does, too. Because remember when Miles guilts him? He's like, I'm just going to leave it. It's just not my universe. I don't care. And I was like... I immediately thought it was almost a Luke Skywalker last Jedi moment for me, Sean. I was like, no, he's not. But then he no, couldn't. Peter part. No, he couldn't. And he this couldn't. is the thing. He's like, it was all, and he played it up for last. He's like, yep. are you still there? What are you doing? He's like, trying to make it feel guilty. It's not going to work. Oh, it's not going to. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I start, I, I, I start, I busted up laughing both times. I'm like, that is Peter Parker. It's him. It doesn't matter how beat down he is. That's Peter Parker. And that to me is the heart of the film is ultimately you can't turn your back on what you are and who you are. You have to be who you are. And it's again, it's that message of, you know, you embrace who you are and the also idea that anyone can be the hero. It's just a beautiful message. And again, that's the heart. And that's the heart of Spider-Man is you can't you can never turn your back on what you are. You have to embrace what you are. And when you do, you become great. And that's yep. the message. Yeah, it's beautiful. I absolutely love it. And, you know, the performances are so great. I mean, we've talked about Jake Johnson. I talked about Catherine Hahn. Obviously, Shamik Moore, who's the voice of Miles Morales. He was terrific in this. Uh, absolutely love Haley Steinfeld as Spider-Gwen. I mean, just across the board, they did such an amazing job with this film. I mean, everything. Um, I'm certainly not going to be able to top you in terms of you boiling down the message of the film. So before (laughs) we wrap up and do some final thoughts, I want to talk a little bit about the impact of this movie. Now, Mm. um, I'm cooling my jets a little bit on the impact of this movie compared to where some people are. Um, It's not not in terms of creatively. Like, I think everybody loves the film, and it's given – I think it's provided uh, a nice little roadmap for – these characters to continue in animation as well as live action. You know, I think live action films will draw inspiration from some of what we saw from these characters in this film. I think eventually it, it heads that direction. But as far as where this goes from animation, 
the opening weekend of you know just under $35.4 million, it's really good relative to Marvel and DC-based animated films, but it's certainly not on like that elite level for animated films and certainly not for superhero films. So Shame. Damn I, shame, man. It is a shame, but I mean, again, outside of Big Hero 6, which is really its own separate thing, Batman... Mask of the Phantasm, adjust for inflation, and that movie still didn't even make $3 million on its opening weekend. Teen Titans Go to the Movies this year made, what, like 10, 11 million, something like that for its opening weekend. So this is so far above that. Again, relative to its situation and relative to you know being, being from one of the big two publishers and being an animated feature film... It's harder. The reason it's harder is because people are so... When people see Spider-Man animation or Batman animation, they just assume, like, okay, well, this is, like, what I get for free on TV already. Why would I pay for this? Um, You know, live action, it's different. You don't get live action Spider-Man for free, but you do get animated Spider-Man. Now, you don't... It doesn't look like Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse, so clearly that was enough to get... Uh, way more people than we've ever seen show up and actually pay to see one of these films on opening weekend, but it's still not on that level where I'd say, oh, this just guarantees that everything Sony wants to do following up with this film is definitely going to happen, at least not right now. The film is going to need to have some legs at the box office, and there's a good indication that it will. I mean, it got an A-plus cinema score. The only superhero movies that have gotten A-plus cinema scores, I believe both Incredibles movies got A-plus cinema scores, Avengers, and Black Panther. That's it. And then now Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. So it's super elite company to have that kind of response from an audience for a superhero movie. So that helps. But then you've got other stuff coming into the box office. Mary Poppins, Aquaman, Bumblebee. You know, there's so much. And But luckily, people are off work for the next couple of weeks. Kids are going to be out of school. So I'm really hoping that Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse has super strong legs at the box office because I want this movie to keep doing well and keep doing better. And I hope it does really well internationally also. So that way we can see this continue because Sony has set themselves up here to have, they could make so many films out of this as long as the money's right. I mean, they've already talked about a sequel being in development an all female spinoff being in development and all that stuff's great. And it's, but it's, it's the natural move to start developing sequels for these things, but to, for those movies to happen and for other things to, uh, to happen, I, we, we are going to need to see Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse, uh, uh, continue to have a strong showing. It's not all set just because of that, uh, that opening weekend while very, very good. And it's, and if we mm-hmm. qualify it properly, it's actually great and historic. It's still not, quite enough to where you know the movie can just coast from here it's it's really going to have to leg it out yeah leg it out and hopefully finds an even bigger audience on video and and, in people's homes i i think we all know that you want proof that people will will pay to go sit in a theater and watch it though no you're not wrong we already we are i already know they'll sit at home and watch an animated spider-man right it's time it's got to show that people that it can draw people out of the house and you know, mm-hmm. buy tickets. But the thing is for me, and I, I want people to, to, to know, or again, if you're on the fence, seeing this film, I'm assuming most people who are listening to this have already seen it. I should but hope if so. you have, <laughs> I would hope so. But if you haven't, man, I mean, go see or it. go out there, go see it, spread the word. <laughs> this is a great, it's an achievement. This really is. I, and I don't say this lightly. How many times have I gone on this podcast in our, in, in our careers together of podcasting, Sean, how many times have you heard me say that this is an achievement? Like, ever? I mean, it's yeah, like, I mean, this, this is well, this is a big deal. Yeah, it's like, go see it, go see it again, bring a friend, uh, like, you mm-hmm. know, bring family, bring whoever, you know, this is, because this is a great movie, and it deserves to be seen by just a huge audience. I mean, if this movie was in live action, like, it wouldn't even matter. You know, it it would be, I mean, in terms of like the, the box office, like it would have just blown the doors off the box office if, if this was live action. I think the only reason this movie isn't making more money is because it's animation. Uh, but so what? Like this deserves to make way more money than Venom did. And uh, right now it's, you know, nowhere near on pace to do that uh, unless, again, it has some really strong legs. So hopefully that happens because I want to see good movie you know i would love to see sony and especially in this case like be rewarded for making a really great film and for 
you know, letting Lord, you know, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, you know, Phil Lord who co-wrote this with, I think, Rodney Rothman. And then, of course, Chris Miller was producing it. And, uh, you know, Peter Ramsey directed it along with Rob uh, Perchetti and, and Rodney Rothman. So, like, this whole team in the voice cast, they all did such an amazing job. I want to see this movie rewarded for the hard work that they put in for the ambition that they had to really absolutely do, to really break new ground visually while at the same time telling a classic superhero story in a whole new way uh, that really just cuts to the core of why we love Spider-Man so damn much and why we have and so many people, millions of people all over the world have loved this character so much for so long. And, and you know, to really be able to condense that into one story. And I feel like they did that, but uh, you know, certainly just because they were able to, knock all of that out in one movie. That doesn't mean I only want them to have one movie. I'd love to see them do it again and, and expand on on all of this. So I, I hope this movie just continues to... It's done well so far. I don't want to... It's not like I think the movie's off to a bad start. It's not off to a bad start, but it's just not off to that overwhelmingly good start. Like, it still has to have a good run at the box office. So if you haven't seen it, go see it. If you saw it and you loved it, Go back just like you do for the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies yes. and all that stuff. You know, treat it the same way. Bring a friend. You know, so you exactly. Said bring yeah. a friend. Bring a friend. Bring family. Uh, go see. Go support this movie so that way we can continue to have nice things. Yeah, I, I think well said, Sean. And and that's what I plan on doing too. I'm hoping you know over Aquaman, over and again I, I I'm seeing Aquaman tomorrow with one of our our good friend Chris Clow and his wife. I'm ecstatic. I'm taking him to go see it because I owe it to owe it to Chris and his wife. But, you know, I'm really excited to see that movie. Uh, I want to see Bumblebee at some point. My brother and I grew up loving Transformers amongst, you know, Star Wars and Marvel and things like that. But you know what? I want to really go see with them. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Like, even though I've yep. already seen it twice, I got, I got it. It's just, it's a movie I have to watch with my family. It's a beautiful film. And like you said, Sean, let's reward films that are cutting edge or at least are ambitious doing something different. And this is by far one of the most different superhero animated films, and not just doing something Again, different, but then doing it well and telling a great exactly. story. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess you could say we recommend Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse if I were to just sum a little, up, you know, the past hour or so. Uh, but that is all we have to say about Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. Not all we have to say, about Spider-Man, we have some things to talk about when it comes to Spider-Man rights and a prediction, not a rumor, that Apple would buy, try to buy Sony next year and what that would mean for Spider-Man movie rights and the status of the Spider-Man deal between Sony and Marvel Studios. We're going to talk about all of that in our Patreon credit scene. And for more information on that and all of the different exclusive podcasts we have on our Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash News. And find us socially in all the usual spots, Facebook and Instagram at Marvel Studios News and on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter, rambling about Star Wars and Marvel stuff uh, at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber, Sean spelled S-E-A-N. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. 